Amen. Please be seated. And if you have a copy of God's Word with you, I invite you to open up to our text this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Listen now to God's Word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Lord and our God, we thank you for your word. We ask now that as we come to it, to study it and to learn what you would teach us, we pray that you would give us minds that understand and hearts that would receive your teaching here in the word. We thank you for your love, Father. We ask that in love you would teach us so that we might love in turn. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I wonder if any of you have ever told another person, I love you. I think it would be a fairly safe assumption on my part to say that you have. Married couples, I'm sure that you have looked at your spouse and said, I love you. In fact, you might even remember the first time that you did that. As you were dating, perhaps with great trepidation, You looked at the other person, and you were the first one to say, you know, I love you. You kind of waited breathlessly to hear how they would respond. Children, maybe you have told someone that you love them too. You've probably often told your mom and dad that you love them, or your brothers and sisters, or maybe your grandparents. See, we have this phrase to express what we feel for other people. We often tell people, I love you. And why, though? Why do we tell them we love them? Why do we love them? What is it that stirs us up inside to love another person? What is it that caused you to love this person? Some of you might be able to answer that right off the top of your head. Well, I love my wife because X. Or I love my husband because of this. Well, I love my mom and dad because I love my mom and dad. That would be weird not to love them. They're my mom and dad. They love me and they take care of me. There's many reasons why we love each other, why we love another person. And this question, why we love, perhaps ought to be asked when it comes to why we love our fellow Christians, if we do indeed love them. You remember that 
throughout this epistle, the Apostle John has constantly reminded us that one of the marks of the Christian life is love for the brethren. He reminds us, he commands us, love one another. And he's given us examples of love. He reminded us of the great love which Christ had for us, that he gave himself up for us. But John's never really spoken about why we are to love each other. Until now. Until this passage. John here in our text this morning reminds us that Christians are to be a loving people. Christians are to love one another because God is love. And because God has demonstrated his love by sending Christ. And because God works love in the hearts of his people by the Spirit. That is why we are to love. Because God is love, because God has demonstrated love, and because God works love in his people. This is a profound truth. One which I hope we will see evidenced by our text before us this morning. We'll see this truth in those three headings. God is love, shown to us in verses 7 and 8. God demonstrated his love, or God's love was manifested among us. And verses 9 through 11, and finally, a God works love in his people, or God's love is perfected in us, as John says in verse 12. Three headings, three reasons why we are to love one another. Now quickly, I'd like to run us through a little bit of context, because perhaps you're reminded that the passage uh, preceding this immediately in 1 John is when John tells us to test the spirits. And it might seem odd to you that John has all of a sudden gone from saying we need to be discerning and wise when it comes to people who claim to have a message from Christ. We need to see whether or not what they say matches up with scripture to all of a sudden telling us why it is we are to love. I think the reason why John is doing this is because we need to be reminded that it is impossible for Christians to have right doctrine without also having right living. We must have good doctrine, biblical doctrine, sound doctrine, but we must also have lives which match up to this doctrine. And John's reminding us of that as he tells us these reasons why we are to love. We must believe the right things we also must practice the right things. And believing the right things informs our practice. So he teaches us what we are to believe about God's love so that we might have right practice and exercising love towards each other. Now with all that in mind, let's go to the word of God and see what, we, what it's written here for our instruction, what John says to us about these reasons why we are to love. First, let's look at verses 7 and 8 where John clearly proclaims that God is love. And that's the first reason why we are to love. We read there in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For God, for love, excuse me, is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. John begins this, uh, this text with a command. He says to us, let us love one another. 
And you might be looking at that thinking, is that actually a command that doesn't seem very commandy? But it is, in fact, a command to us. It's an exhortation to us, but a very special one. John here is using, uh, it's the technical term, is it's a hortatory subjunctive. That's how this Greek word is, is described. Basically what that means is that John is giving us an encouraging command. This is an encouraging command. John isn't just saying love one another flatly and blankly, but he's encouraging us by way of this commandment. Perhaps you've done this before in your own life, or children, maybe you've heard your parents do this before. Maybe you finish dinner and your dad looks at you and he says, all right, kids, let's clean the kitchen. Let's do the dishes to help mom out. Is this a suggestion from your dad? No, he's not suggesting something. He's in fact telling you we're going to do the dishes but he's doing it in a way which encourages you, which causes you to think, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's help mom out. Let's show her some love by doing the dishes. That's what John does here with this command. Let us love one another. He's encouraging the saints. He's encouraging you this morning. That we're to love one another. Let's do this. God has called us to this, so let's go for it. We need to love one another. This, helpful, this is helpful to us, uh, this kind of command, uh, because it reminds us also, uh, in addition to being encouraging to us, that love is not necessarily some feeling that we need to conjure up, right? Love here that John is talking about is an action. Let us love one another. Let's do love, not necessarily feeling it, but acting on it in order to encourage the saints. And why is it? Why do we have this command? Why are we encouraged to love one another? John here says, because love is from God. And then at the end of verse eight, he says, God is love. So why is it that we are to love? Well, simply put, because love is an attribute of God. Love is something which is natural to God. In his very essence, God is love. This is an amazing thing. Because this means that before God made anything, before God made you, God was a loving God. There was perfect love between the three persons of the Trinity in eternity past. Because God is love. God has always had love and has always expressed love. And this is amazing because this attribute is one of what we call God's communicable attributes. That means that God has this attribute of love and God has given mankind who are made in his image the ability to love. See, if God had not been love, if love was not one of his attributes, then mankind would not be able to love what a terrible thing that would be. God has, has communicated this attribute to us, has given us this attribute. And so people, even those who are outside of Christ, have capacity for love. Yet those in Christ, those united to Christ by faith, 
have even more capacity, even, even more love because it's something which God has given to them, especially as his children, as those who are from him, renewed by the spirit and brought into his family. Which is what John says next in verse seven. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, love is an attribute of God and love is an attribute, an action of God's people. Those who have been born of the spirit, regenerated, born again, are given a new kind of love and are able to act on it. This is the fruit of the spirit in our lives. The spirit works in us to produce this love, even as he has made us children of the living and true God. So John says, why should we love? Well, because God is love, because it's his very nature, and because those who are born of God, those who know God, those who have uh, had an experiential relationship with God, recognize this in God, and they want to be like their heavenly father. And so they too, by the work of the spirit in their lives, love one another. John reminds us also that this love is evidence because anyone who does not love, in verse 8, does not know God. See, love is such an integral part of the Christian life, such a large evidence of being born of the Spirit. Love for the brethren, that is, in love for God. That if someone does not have this love, someone does not love their brother in Christ or does not love their heavenly father or Christ, they don't actually know God at all. They might claim, well, yes, I, I know God. You know, I, I'm aware of his existence. I believe that he exists. Yeah, I, I think I believe in God. I, I think I'm good to go. But in reality, unless they've been changed by the spirit and they have this, this supernatural love which God produces in the hearts of his people for his other people, then they're making a false claim. It would be kind of like if you're driving along the road and you see a, a big sign that says, you pick pears. And you pull off and you say, I like pears. I'm going to get some of those. And you go get the basket and you go up to the person working there and you say, where's the pears? And he points to a grove of pine trees laden with pine cones and he says, they're right there. You probably look at him and say, what are you talking about? So those are the pears. <laughs> you say, no, those aren't pears. Those are pine cones. That would be a ridiculous claim. Well, it's just as ridiculous to claim to know God, to be one of his people, and to not have the fruit of love in your life. You're claiming something absolutely absurd, John says, and that's a warning to us. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Dear Christian people, beloved of Christ, Love, the brethren, let us love each other. This is what our Father in heaven does. This is what our Savior does. This is what the Spirit does. Let us be like our God in that we love one another. That's the first reason John gives us for why Christians should love, why we ought to love each other, because that's the very nature of our God and Father. And that probably would have been enough to convince most of us, I think, of this necessity to love and this reason why we should. But John doesn't stop there, as is very often the case. He continues to build his case. 
He teaches us not only that God is love, but he also teaches us that God demonstrated and demonstrates in the present his love for us. In verses 9 through 11, John writes that God's love was manifested among us. Look at these verses. John writes, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. How? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So John writes here, the second reason why we are to love the brethren is because God demonstrated his love towards us. God didn't just say he loved us. He didn't just proclaim through the prophets, I love my people, and leave it at that. No, the steadfast love of the Lord is great, and it has been shown to his people throughout time, especially, especially in the giving of his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John writes here that God loved us and showed that to us by sending his only son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. God demonstrated his love to us. We who were rebels, who were in opposition to God and his law, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins, fighting against God, were loved by God. And he said, I'm not going to leave them in those sins. I'm not going to leave them to their selves. I will send my beloved son to live the perfect life which they cannot live, to die upon the cross for their sins, to redeem them, to make peace between God and man. That is how God's love was demonstrated to us. Oh, the depths of this love and the heights of this love and the the width and breadth of this love. This is a great love. Indeed, this is possibly the only thing in all of the history of the world that could truly even be considered love. All human love pales in comparison to it. This is the love of God toward man. And so, this love which God demonstrated to us is the reason why we love each other because God is the very source of Christian love. Of love in general, yes, because it's a communicable attribute, but of Christian love especially because it's a love which God poured out on us and by his spirit works in us. The love of God is the first cause of our love for one another. Kids, maybe you have uh, taken some dominoes and you're playing with them and you, you lined them all up, standing up straight. You made a cool pattern with them. And then you walked over to the first one and you poked it. What happened? It fell, and it knocked over the next one, which knocked over the next one, which knocked over the next one, and so on and so forth until the whole thing was knocked over. How did that first one fall? You poked it. You were the first cause. You started something. 
which continued. God is the first cause of all things. God is the first cause of our love for one another. He is the one who places love in us by his spirit, who works this love in us. It's not something which, which we conjured up or we invented. We didn't start our love for God or our love for each other. God did. God gave us love for him. God gave us love for each other. That's what John says in verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. God loved us first. While we were still fighting against him, still in rebellion against him, God loved us. And then when he enlightened our minds and renewed our hearts by the Holy Spirit, when he changed us, he changed the way we feel about God by his spirit. We didn't say anymore, I hate God. We said, God loves me. We understood what the Lord Jesus Christ did on our behalf. We no longer said, well, that sounds like a nice story. We said, Christ died for me. The Lord gave us love for him so that we saw the beauty and the glory of Christ in this great sacrifice which he accomplished on our behalf. And all of a sudden we loved him. We saw that he loved us and in joy and thanksgiving, we loved him. We began to love his people and by his grace, we will continue in that love. This is the effect of God's love. It creates love in his people. And that's why we're obligated to love those that God loves, those whom God loves. Look at verse 11. We read there, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. John returns then to the necessity of our love for one another, the command for our love for one another, and he does this by presenting to us a conditional statement. He says, if God loved us. Now, John's not questioning God's love for us. John knows very well God's love for us. John knows very well God's love for himself. He's done this before, and the point of John using this conditional statement, if, is he's emphasizing The Christians do believe that God loved us. John is basically saying, if you believe this, and you most certainly do, I know you do, because you said you love God, because you've given evidence of that love for God in your lives. If you love your heavenly father, if he loved you in this way, you need to do something. Therefore, we also, as God's people, must love. If God loved us in light of this fact, in light of the fact that we have been forgiven of so much and that we are members of the household of grace, in light of the fact that we are partakers of the divine nature, you, dear Christian, must love the brethren. It's not optional. It's not that when he says we ought to love one another, that word there is, means we're obligated it's, it's necessary. Our understanding 
of the grace and the glory of God in Christ should make us love one another. It reminds us to love one another. And sometimes this is hard, isn't it? Sometimes you might think, well, that person professes to be a believer. I believe that they are, but I don't really like them very much. They gave me a look or they said something to me once upon a time which irritated me and I find it hard to love them. What do you do to love that person? You look back to Christ. You remind yourself, the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven me so great a debt. He has blessed me with so much forgiveness and love. Whatever that person has done to me is meaningless. It's small and trivial. Furthermore, God has forgiven them for that too. So why don't I forgive them and love them? We're obligated to love one another. And we must, must look to Christ. And all that he has done for us and to us by his spirit. To be reminded over and over again that we are to love. And to be shown how to love. Let's look to how God's love was manifested among us. John has told us God is love. That's his nature. God is, John has told us how God showed his love to us in Christ, the greatest expression of love. John also tells us the last reason why we should love. Simply put, it's because it's the work which God does in his people by the Spirit. Or as John phrases it, God's love is perfected in us. Look at verse 12 quickly. John writes there, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John makes this interesting statement that no one has ever seen God. It seems a bit out of place here, doesn't it? But there's a very good reason why John is expressing this to us. He is reminding us that while we do not see God as he is in, in all of his glory. People see the light of God's love in us as we reflect it in the world around us. We do not see God uh, as Moses saw him. You remember in Exodus 33 and 34, Moses asks God to show him his glory and God says, well, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'll shield your eyes, and then after I pass by you, then you can catch a glimpse of, of the very end of my glory. The final part of the train of my glory. You can see that. You can see a little bit, but you can't see the whole thing because no one can see God and live. And so God places Moses in the cleft of the rock and passes by him and proclaims his name, the Lord, together with his Wonderful attributes, his steadfast love among them. And Moses sees the, the tail end of God's glory. And that glory is then reflected to the people of Israel. Because when Moses comes down from the mountain, his face is, is glowing with the glory of God. John's making a similar point here. We're not seeing God as he is face to face. And yet, 
because we know God, because we know his love for us, because we see the glory of God in Christ and that expression of love upon the cross, we can reflect that glory to those around us as we love one another. As we proclaim the gospel of grace in Christ, John tells us, no one sees God, but they see the work of God in us. And by that, perhaps they too will catch a glimpse and be converted by the Spirit. John says no one's seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Union with Christ is absolutely necessary for us to love one another. We must abide in God and he in us. We must be grafted into the root of Christ, into the vine. We cannot love the other branches if the sap of love is not flowing up into us through Christ by his spirit. We must be united. We must have God abiding in us. And as God abides in us, his love is shown and his love is perfected in us. John doesn't mean to say that in this life, uh, we have perfect love. What he's saying is God's perfect love is worked in us. That God has perfect love and this perfect love is, is working in us to produce our love. And as his love is perfected in us, we're shown that God is working in us. This word perfective is, is passive. This means we aren't the ones making love perfect. We are the ones in whom God is working. God is indeed working in us. As we trust in Christ, he is producing the fruit of the Spirit in us. As we trust in Christ and, and humble reliance upon the Spirit, walk in his ways. The love he gives to us for one another is evidence that the Spirit is working in us. And praise God for that. Praise the Lord that he gives us evidences in our lives to increase our faith in him, to, to remind us of his love for us and to give us all which we need for life and godliness. So that we see then these three reasons, these reasons why we should love each other. First, because God himself is love. Second, because God has demonstrated his love. And third, because God is working his love in us. Three excellent reasons why we ought to love the brethren, why we must love the brethren, why we should work to love the brethren. So what do we do with this? Well, as we close, I'd like to give three general, but with some perhaps particular helps, three points of application to us. First, God is love. And so, to obey this commandment to love the brethren, I exhort you, get to know God. Not just about God. Don't just accumulate facts about God. Spend time in communion with God. Study the scripture so you know who God is and what he desires. Meditate upon those scriptures. Pray to the Lord. 
and ask him to continue to reveal himself to you in his word, by his spirit, so that you may grow in communion with him. One of the ways maybe you can do this, since love is an attribute of God, perhaps study the attributes of God in scripture in your private devotions. Read uh, the different scripture texts which teach you of the attributes of God and then as you're praying, praise God for these attributes and trust him that he will continue to teach you and be with you. You could study just the attribute of love. Scripture has so much to say about that or you could study all the attributes of God but I would encourage you to study who God is so that you might know him better. Seek to know him better not just more about him. Secondly, God demonstrated his love among us. Brothers and sisters, the greatest way to, I think, stimulate our holy affections, to love God and to love one another, is to meditate upon the love of God demonstrated to us in Christ. Do you want to grow in your love for the saints? Then look to Christ. Look to Christ as, as the pinnacle of all love, the greatest expression of God's love to man. When you're tempted to not love the brethren, look to Christ. Remember his love for you, that while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Look to Christ who has forgiven you so great a debt. Look to Christ and ask him to remind you of his great love for you so that you can love one another. God's love was manifested to us in Christ. Meditate on the love of God as demonstrated in the person and work of Christ. We will grow in our love for God and the saints in doing this. And finally, God's love is perfected in us. This is the work of the Spirit and so, in reliance upon the Spirit, love the brethren. Don't seek to work up your own affections for each other. We sometimes have uh, natural affections for, for each other. We, we click with certain people easier than others. You just hit it off with someone immediately and you're like, I love this person. We're best friends now. Some other people, it's a little bit harder to do. And you might say, I'm just going to love them. You grit your teeth and you try. Rely upon the Spirit's help and ask him to give you love. And be prepared for him to answer this prayer. Because God, very often, when we say, Lord, teach me this. Help me with this. Sanctify me in this area. The Lord says, here's your opportunities. So ask the Spirit, rely upon the Spirit, and keep your eyes open for those opportunities to show love to one another. Keep your eyes open and then show love to one another. Perform love. It's not necessarily a feeling, it's an action. So when the, act, the opportunities arrive, take action and love one another. We can do this because God works love in us by His Spirit. He's given us his spirit because he demonstrated his love to us in Christ and saved us from our sins. And he did this because he is the God of love. The one who loved us and gave 
his only begotten son for us. God's love, which was manifested among us and which has perfected us in the spirit, is our reason why we ought to love one another. And as we think about this, it is a great encouragement to us to love one another. And so, dear brethren, let us love one another. Today, through the coming weeks and months, indeed throughout our entire lives, as we seek to obey God in this call as believers. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we praise you for your great love. We praise you, Lord, that love is one of your many wonderful attributes. And we praise you that you demonstrated this love to us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we praise you that by your spirit, you are working this love in our hearts as a fruit of the spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you for this love which you have shown to us, which you give to us. And we ask, Lord, that as you have called us to love one another, you would give us opportunity and that you would give us uh, what we need to love one another, even as you have loved us. We pray that you would do this so that we might obey you and demonstrate your love uh, to those around us. For your glory, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.